to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Thank you, my love. You can tell we're puppy sitting and we didn't get much sleep last night. We almost owed Josh $3,000 for the puppy. We're going to sell that thing on eBay. And get some sleep at night. Boy, oh boy, that thing was nuts last night. But I just want to acknowledge a couple of things. My, my in-laws had an anniversary this, this week, 49 years together. Let's give them a round of applause. Bob and Linda, the same anniversary. They're not here today. We'd be clapping for them. But um, uh, actually, we were married on the same day. Uh, I don't know the time difference it was, but same year, same day, everything, 49 years. That's kind of amazing. We have two, yeah. Linda, if you're watching us. And Bob, we're thankful for you. We'll give you a chocolate milk when we see you. Uh, that's Bob's favorite. So, uh, And just we're, we're thankful to the Lord for what he's doing. I remember the couple who uh, celebrated their 40th anniversary and their 60th birthday all on the same day. And um, an angel came to them and said, you guys have been so faithful to one another for 40 years. We want to give you a gift in heaven. We're going to give you any gift you want. So it goes to the faithful wife. The angel says, so what do you want? And the faithful wife says, you know what? I want this to be the most exciting anniversary we've ever had. I want to sail around the world with my husband. And so all of a sudden the angel goes, poof, and two tickets for a trip around the world on a boat together. Really excited. So then the angel looks at the man and says, what do you want? And he says, can you come here? I want to whisper in your ear. And uh, the man whispers in the ear and he says, I want a wife that's 30 years younger than me. So the angel goes, poof, and the man was 90 years old. <laughs> so watch out what you ask for. You may just get it. Right? I don't know if an angel came to you guys after 49, but maybe after 50, and we'll see what goes on there. Um, let's make the most of our life. You know, life, when you think about it, is full of all kinds of changes and sorrows, and is also full of continuity and joy. And if we don't get that right, if we don't understand that, that every stage of life is filled with both changes and sorrows, continuity and joy, we're never going to grasp and enjoy life. I mean, think about it. We're all excited to have our first baby, right? And, you know, Katie gets pregnant and that's an exciting stage of life, isn't it? Until the baby is born and then you can't sleep. And now it's a sorrowful time of life because you're always aggravated. You're mad. You're not, your marriage now is struggling because you're mad that you can't sleep. It's your turn to change the diaper. It's my turn to change the diaper. And now all of a sudden we're fighting like we never have before. Changes, sorrows. They grow up. I tell you, we got to enjoy every, they start smiling. I love that stage. And then they start walking. And then Ellie, she talks, she started, I don't remember her never talking, but she started to talk, she started to talk with her tongue. And she would say, please, like this. <laughs> and meant please. And I'll never forget, we're in McDonald's. And the car seat is turned backwards. Remember those days when the car seat and they had to look the other way? And she's smelling the fries. And all of a sudden, she spits her nookie out and she goes, 
But we didn't get the fries yet. We're still in line. But she doesn't know that. And she's... I said, Katie, go quiet her down. What is she doing? I'm going to wait. Tell her to wait. I mean, how are you going to tell a six-month-old to wait? But you know, oh, no, wait a minute. The fries aren't here. But she knew how to get those fries. And then she started to walk. And then she started to read. And Ellie, I praise the Lord for Ellie. She loved to read every book out loud. And so we would hear her read. And then she would have her little chair in the closet where she would go into the closet, open up the book, and just read. She couldn't really read, but she memorized the book from Katie reading to her. So she would read the book in her mind and read it all the way through and go up and down, you know. And I would hear that all day. All day. Wonderful stage of life. And then she started to go to school. And then uh, she's growing up more. She started to, to, to sing. I remember we took her on, on one time we were in a church. She was only three years old. And she quoted, was she even three? She was two maybe. She quoted John 3.16 from memory at two years old. And then the book of Jonah she had memorized at three years old. We would stop at a word and she would say the next word of the book of Jonah. She knew it. What a mind. What a mind. Takes right after me. What a mind. <laughs> Then they grow. And now she's working her first job. She's a year from college. They grow. It's quick. Every stage is different. Every stage is filled with joys. Every stage has its own sorrows. Every stage you see continuity. Every stage you can laugh and enjoy what God is doing. And every stage you weep at things that happen. That's life. Do we understand that? Solomon is going to start this passage off, and I love this passage because he's going to talk about the different times of life and seasons, and we're going to see that every event in life is part of God's plan. Now, he's not always pleased, but he's never perplexed. He's never shocked at things that happen. It doesn't always please him everything that happens, but he's never shocked. But look at this here as he starts off in 3.1. He says, there is an appointed time. Interesting word because there's two different words in the Hebrew here in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 for time. The first word is really there is a purpose or a point of time. And so there is an appointed time. There is a, a purpose behind it. We may not always know it or see it or understand it, but there is a purpose behind the time. And then he says in verse 1, there is a time for every event in heaven. And that word time is more of a duration of time or a season of time. And so here's what he's saying, that every event that comes into our lives, these are not events that we may choose, but we find out happen in our lives. Every event that happens in our lives has this, has this purpose behind it, and every event lasts for a while. And he's going to mention 14 of them, and we're going to go through those quickly, and everything in between them. You say, what, what is he talking about here? Well, notice in verse 2, he says, there's a time to give birth. And there's a time to die. And so he, what he's saying here is that there's, there's a time. These are not accidents, even though people think they can control when people are born and control when people die. Those are God appointments here. And here's what's amazing. 
What does the number 25,915 mean to anyone here? Anybody know? You know now, don't you? 25,915. Anybody know what that number is? That's not the building fund, by the way. 25,915. That's the average lifespan of a male. 71 years. I've lived 17,000 of those days already. That means I have 8,000 maybe left. Chalmer is on overtime. <laughs> He's lived 33,000 days. But the average person lives 25,918 days. Go home and do your calculator. Figure out your age. Do how many times. And you say, wow, I'm on, I got not much time left. But don't worry about that because here's the good news. We are not going to live one moment less or one moment more than God wants. These are not accidents. There is a time to be born and there is a time to die. And God knows that time. There's a time. We love Mother's Day. There's a time to plant. Isn't it amazing? Mother's Day comes. Finally, Mother's Day comes. And guess what we can do? We can start planting here in Colorado. And people buy their flowers and they go to Lowe's and they do all these things. But they don't think about the next part of the verse. There's a time to uproot what is planted. Plants die. Did you know that? Next time you spend 50 bucks on a plant, it will die. But people love plants. Oh, I got my nice little plants, my nice little garden. Look at this, how beautiful. It'll be dead in a year. But you know, you know, you know I love it. They love all this stuff. There's a time, notice this, there's a time to kill. And it's talking about there really not self-defense, but it's talking about a time when you have to put down an animal. And some of you have, have been there before. It's a hard thing to know when you love some, an animal, you've had it around, and you got to say goodbye to the animal, it's time. And there's a time when you give that animal medicine and it heals by God's grace. There's a time to tear down and a time to build up. Really what he's saying is we're all living between love it or list it. Either you're going to love your home or you're going to list your home. But one day, that home is going to be torn down. And one day, that home is going to be gone. And there's going to be a time to build. When is it a time to build? We don't know. But we have to, but God has that time. There's a time to cry. Some people always say, don't worry, be happy. No, there's a time to mourn and really mourn. And then there's a time to laugh. And so we find out it's, it, it's amazing, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Sometimes those things are really close to each other. We got married six months before my grandfather died. We went from being happy, excited, all that, to mourning over my grandfather. There's a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance. I think of Samuel in the Bible after Saul failed. Samuel's weeping. Oh, what do I do? Oh, I chose him as a king and now look at him. And God says to Samuel, get up. Stop your crying. I got another king for you. You go find him. His name is David. And so there's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance. Uh-oh, I didn't get one amen there. Some people think dancing sin. And everyone who dances sin. Some of you, when you dance, it is sin. <laughs> There's no rhythm. 
Rob, I hate to pick on you, but Friday was brutal. He's doing karaoke, and Rob is dancing. He doesn't have any rhythm. It's bad. I mean, that was, that was painful. I had, the song was great. But the moves, I don't even know what he was doing. I mean, I, was your neck hurting or something like that? I mean, he just like... But nothing wrong with dancing. I remember little Abigail. Sometimes she could just move around. You're like, Abigail, what are you doing? She's like, I'm just dancing. Mm. <laughs> She's in a pastor's home. Yeah, I got me kicked out. But there's a time to dance. Now, if you want to dance in church, we'll dance you right out, outside and we'll dance you out of here. But don't do that. Right, time to throw stones. A time to gather stones. It's talking about there when, when there's a time to actually throw stones on an enemy's field so they can't, they can't plant anything. And there's time to gather the stones so they can plant. This is a great military verse in verse 5. There's a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. I love how God brings military people to our church. And we build friendships and they're, they're great people. But then comes the time of what? Saying goodbye. And those are times that happen. And there's a time to form friendships. And there's a time to say goodbye to friendships. There's, in verse 6, it says here, there's a time to search and a time to give up as lost. We look for things. We look for things. We got to find it. We got to find it. I know where it is. It's got to be there. It's right where I put it. And then you just say, you know what? It's gone. This is a great verse 6 for Americans. A time to keep and a time to have a garage sale. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. We've been through it here at the church. And we had, we had some stuff that the church was keeping for a long, long time. <laughs> and I remember we had this door here that we were going to... We had this door that, that we were going to get rid of so that the downstairs could be bigger. And uh, the colonel, I love the colonel. The colonel, he sees the door getting moved. And he comes down and he goes, You move that door! I'm out of this church! I'm leaving! I said, Wow, holy cow, what do I do here? I said, Colonel, you like the door? Yes! You want to take the door with you? Yes! You can have the door. Okay! <laughs> So we gave him the door and that was it. It was my, uh, it was beautiful. Everything was, uh, praise the Lord. There's a time when it's time to get rid of that thing that you've been holding on for 40 years that has no use at all. We, have a, we had a rule in our family and I failed at this. I feel as a complete failure as a father. Abigail loves stuffed animals. She absolutely loves stuffed animals. So we had a rule. Every new stuffed animal she got, she had to give away six. It's a pretty good rule. We still got boxes of stuffed animal. I don't know how we do it. She's got to have a stuffed animal here and another stuffed animal here. And oh, I need this new stuffy and that stuffy and all this. And we got all these. It's time to get rid of the stuffies. They're time to go. Now, my stuffed animals are staying with me. They're not going away. I still got my babies from when I was a baby. A time to keep. There's a time to throw away. There's a time to tear apart. And a time to sew together. And what it's talking about here is there's a time to mourn. They would tear apart their clothes and then they would sew back together their clothes um, when, when they would stop the mourning period. Look at verse 7. There's a time to be what? Silent. Silent. There's a time when people don't need advice. 
I mean, what do you say to a, a wife who lost her husband and her two sons in a car crash? The time just to sit there and be silent. And then there's a time to speak and share the gospel and talk to people about Christ and give them comfort in, in the Lord. But there's a time when we definitely be quiet. That verse, one of the verses that really speaks to my soul with this one is, it says, even a fool is considered wise when he holds his peace. Doesn't speak. Just keeps quiet. There's a time for that. Verse 8, there's a time to love and then there's a time to hate. Now don't send this verse to your enemies, by the way, but this is what he's saying here is we ought to hate the things that God hates. And we ought to love the things that God loves. And there is a time for war, even though there's some countries that don't believe in that. And there is a time for peace. It's amazing that even Japan, that, that tries not to avoid, tries to avoid the wars and whatever that they're trying to do now with all their things. When ISIS beheaded one of their journalists, things changed. There is a time for war. And there is a time for peace. And notice what, what the psalmist says when it comes to this. He says in Psalm 31 verse 15, My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. So we understand these things that our times are in God's hands and, and we want God to deliver us from this and we know that there's times for different things. But that leads us to a question. And this is a very important question in verse 9. Look what he says here. What profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? You understand what he's saying here? He's saying, what's the use? He's saying, why should I even give birth to a child? Why should I even bring a child into this world if that child's only going to die? Why should I even plant something if that plant is only going to die? Why should I have animals if there's going to come a time when I'm going to have to put those animals down? Why should I build? I mean, why am I going to What's the use of building if one day that building is just going to come down? What's the use of life? Look at verse 10, what he says here. I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. He's saying this, I have seen people spin their wheels and go nuts. For what? For a plant? For a building? For a relationship that's just going to say goodbye to you one day? I mean, why even take these military guys out? Next time you're buying me coffee, why even take them out and buy them coffee? Why even build for? Why even get close to them? They're just going to leave in a few years. I mean, why do it? I mean, why, why, why live? Why spin our wheels on these things? Why, why go crazy? Why the guy who got three jobs and he was going nuts with three jobs just to support his family? And his wife looked at him after twenty years and said, "You know what? I've lived the last year without you. I don't need you anymore." And divorced him. Why spin our wheels? Why live frustrated? Why build? I don't understand why kids and, and, and even adults get excited about this. Build a sandcastle next to the water. <laughs> Isn't that a beautiful castle? Look at this. Whoa. They put all their energy into it and the water just comes and it's gone. Solomon says, there's a time for this, a time for that, a time for this. 
Why even live? Why, why live frustrated? Why spin your wheels and all this? What's the use? Look what Jeremiah once said to God. Look at this here. What's the use? Look what Jeremiah, Jeremiah 15, 18. This is an amazing verse. He says, why has my pain been perpetual, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you indeed be to me like a deceptive stream? Remember what God said, I am the living waters. But he says, will you be like to me a deceptive stream with water that's unreliable? Jeremiah got frustrated in his ministry. You're telling me to go to preach to people that aren't going to listen? What's the use? Why am I going through all this stuff? And we ask the same thing. What is the use? I mean, why get married? Why get married? Why get married if you're just going to fight with that person that you say you love? Why, why raise kids if they're just going to cause pain one day instead of pleasure? Why do that? And people start to ask those questions. Why even go to church? Why even hang around other people? They're just going to hurt me one day anyway. Why, why even do all this stuff? And Solomon's going to say, I'm going to give you four reasons why. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why, what's the use? Here it is. This, is. this is a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful passage here. We know that there's times that God has every event, but look at this. What's the use? Recognize the first thing, that God's timing is what? Beautiful. Look at this in verse 11. He has made everything what? Appropriate, beautiful in its time. I love that Hebrew word because it speaks of the same word that was used of Job's daughters. Job's daughters were the most beautiful in the land. I can relate to Job. Job's daughters were the most beautiful in the land. God's saying this. He makes everything what? Right. He makes everything appropriate. He makes everything good. When? In his time. That means life is good in his time. Death is beautiful in his time. Planting is nice in his time. Uprooting those plants are beautiful in his time. Building a building is beautiful in his time. Taking that building down is beautiful in his time. Having friendships is wonderful in his time. Saying goodbye to people is wonderful in his time. He makes everything right, good, appropriate in his time. Time. So what's the use? You better believe there's a use. Because it's beautiful when God does it. I think of things <laughs> in God's timing, and sometimes His timing really bothers me. We were building a building in Argentina, and we had the second floor shell up. And this group writes us and says, hey, we want to come down and we want to help you build inside the shell, the second floor shell. We're coming down. We have no money, but we're going to come down and help you build. How do you help somebody build with no money? And so I'm sitting to myself and Katie and I are looking at myself. How are we going to have materials for these people to build? We have no money for materials. Do I have to go to a bank? Do I got to get a loan? What's going on? They're coming on a Saturday. I'll never forget on a Thursday. I get an email. Hey, Jeremy, we just sent you $10,000 to help those people build. Oh, my God. Couldn't you have done that three weeks before? <laughs> Why two days before? His timing is always right. He's never late. He's never early. That part bothers me. 
He is always right on time. And he makes it beautiful in his time. And so he says here, he has made everything beautiful in his time. Notice what else he's done here. Look at the second thing here. There's a hole in our heart. Fill the hole in our heart with God. Notice this here. He has set eternity in their heart. There is this deep seated thing in everyone's heart, this, this compulsion that we have in our hearts. We want to figure out God. We want to understand God. We want to know what God is doing. We want to, we want to figure out His timing, His ways and all that. We have this hole in our hearts and we fill it with things. And sometimes we fill it with things that aren't God. Like what? Like it could be a possession. It could be a person. It could be anything that we try to fill our hearts with God, but we got to understand this. We have eternity in our hearts. God put that in our hearts. He put that compulsion for us to want to know something so we can fill it with Him. Notice what it says in Jeremiah. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So here's what people do. They have this God-sized hole in their hearts and they try to fill it with something other than God and it never satisfies. That person will never satisfy you like God. That property will never, I don't care how beautiful it is, it will never satisfy you like God. That plant will never satisfy you like God. That friendship, no matter how close it is, will never satisfy you like God. And yet we try to fill our holes with that. And that's why when we go to a baseball game and a kid pulls out a turtle and rubs his turtle because that is what he's trying to fill his God-sized hole with. And that turtle will never satisfy him. He says, my people have done two things. They've forsaken me and the fountain of living waters. And they hewn for themselves cisterns broken since they can't hold any water. Now watch this, verse 11. Here's why God has put eternity in our hearts. It says, so that, so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning to the end. Do you know what this is saying? We just don't know what God is going to do. I don't know if I have 25,915 days. I've gotten close to 17,000. Maybe 17,001 is my last. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to receive a call one day saying that Katie was killed in a car crash or something happened to her or something happened to me. I don't know what my kids are going to grow up to be one day and how they're going to live their lives, even if I'm going to have grandchildren. I don't know if we're going to have a building on the other side. I don't know how the church is going to look. Into there are thousands of things I just don't know. Welcome to life. But here's what's an amazing thing what Solomon says. Don't let what you don't know destroy what you can enjoy today. Look at this next verse. Verse 12. Under the so sunlight of God's sovereignty, we should live, be, be happy and rejoice. Look at this. I know that there is nothing better for them to, than to do what? To rejoice. 
Go out and have some Rocky Road ice cream with the kids. Go out and enjoy a little trip with them. Go out and have fun with your wife or, or the people in your life. Enjoy the grandkids. Enjoy the people in your life. Enjoy the plant. Talk to your plant. You may be nuts. Go ahead and talk to it. Enjoy your plants. Enjoy the friendships. Rejoice over them. Enjoy them now. Don't let what you don't know. But I don't know if I'm going to have my wife in 10 years. I don't know if she's going to have me in 10 years. You don't know. Enjoy what you can today. Rejoice in what you can today. Be grateful in what you can today. I love people who think it's their job to tell us what the world's going to look like in 10 years. Let me just tell you about this coronavirus. This coronavirus has more strains. We're going to be locked down in five years from now. We're going to all be dead. You don't know. And I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to come out of this driveway right now, out of the parking lot, and some drunk is going to come and hit me and kill me. I don't know. I don't know the next time I eat a delicious mod pizza that a pineapple is going to get stuck in my throat and take me to heaven. I don't know. That's a great way to go, by the way. That's kind of my preference. I don't know. I don't know what Ellie, when she goes to school, what, what she's going to turn out to. I don't know. But that shouldn't stop me from enjoying her today. He says, I know there's nothing better for, for them than to rejoice. Now be careful with enjoyment because some people say, I'm going to enjoy and do whatever I want. No, look at what the verse says. Enjoy and to do good. To do God's will in one's lifetime. There is nothing more gratifying in this world than living for Christ and his work. No matter what difficulty that brings. There is nothing that fills the soul more than knowing you're doing what Christ wants you to do. I, I never forget when I went to Argentina and I'm, we're walking with this missionary. It's our first visit in 2004. And I'm scared. I mean, there's, there's things happening there that would scare. A missionary was shot. There was things that were happening. And one missionary looks at me and says this, Jeremy, I'd rather take a bullet to the face doing what God wants me to do than to take a bullet to the back running from God. That's a great way to live. He says, I know there's nothing better for them to do than to rejoice and what? Advance the kingdom of God in one's lifetime. To do what is right. Here's why. Look at verse 13. It says, Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks and sees good in all his labor, it's a gift of God. It's a wonderful gift of God. Having children is a gift of God. Marriage is a gift of God. Friendships are a gift of God. Church life is a gift of God. The things that we have is a gift. They're gifts from God. So enjoy them. Do what is right. Advance the kingdom. Some people think, well, oh, someone's got stuff. It's all wrong. Look what, look what 1 Timothy says here. It says, instruct those who are rich or people who have stuff in this present world not to be conceited or fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. This is a great verse for the housing market right now. Don't get so excited about your house going way up because it's going down soon. Any amens here? It's going down soon. But here's where your hope should be. On God who richly surprise, supplies, surprises, supplies us with all things to do what? With all things. Enjoy. Have another ice cream. <laughs> Not one amen. 
I'm on a diet now. It's killing me. I'm thinking to myself, I know, God, I'm not going to live a day less or a day more on this diet. So why? So why, right? Let's go eat. But the quality of life changes, so that's why. But go and enjoy. Don't feel guilty about it. Go and enjoy. God gives us things to enjoy. Enjoy it. Don't idolize it. Don't make it your God, but enjoy it. And then notice this here. The last thing he's going to tell us here. Respond to God's sovereignty with reverence. You can't control when you were born. You can't control when you die. You can't control when friends are going to come into your life. You can't control when they're going to leave. There's things you just can't control. So here's what you should do. He says this. I know that everything God does will remain how long? Forever. God's in control. And there's nothing we can add to it and there's nothing we can take from it. God did it. But here's why he does that. So that men would do what? Fear him. Now this fear is not like because we see a rattlesnake and we're all scared that it's going to bite us. That's not the fear God wants us to have. This is reverence. This is submission to him. This is knowing, hey, my times are in your hands. I'm going to live for you. My friendships are in your hands. I'm going to live for you. I am going to submit to you. I am going to say to God, you have every right to do with my life what you want at any time. So Lord, if you want to take that friendship away, I submit to you. If you want to take my health away, I submit to you. If that thing that I worked so hard for is now time to tear it, or even give it away, have a garage sale, Lord, I submit to you. That's reverence. That's fear. That's submission. That's realizing he's in control and we're not. Some people get so bent out of shape because they're just not in control of what's going on. And here's what we have to understand today. We will never be in control. Only God is. But what we should do is respond to him with reverence and submission and say, God, here is my life. Take it and do what you want with it. One of my favorite movies, and it's a baseball movie, you knew that was coming, is The Rookie. How many of you seen The Rookie? Anybody see The Rookie? Yeah, you're probably saved. But the rookie, <laughs> what I love about the rookie, that was a bad one, huh? Sorry, yeah. But the rookie, what's amazing about the movie Rookie is that here they are, they have the fields all messed up, you know, their team stinks, this, all that's going on. And the coach walks in and he says, guys, guess what we get to do today? We get to play baseball. Isn't that a great line? <laughs> you don't like that line, do you? The next time your life is a mess and you're looking at all this, just wake up and say, guess what I get to do today? I get to serve God. I get to give him the very little I have for his honor and glory. I get to submit to him. That means he gives me a flat tire. I get to submit to him because in his time, he makes everything beautiful. He's not always pleased, but he's never perplexed. You say, what about the past? Look at verse 15. That which has already been has, and that which will be, has already been, for God seeks what has passed by. He can even redeem the past. That's how wonderful our God is. Some people have a lot of regrets about the past. Look, the past 
We can't change one moment of the past. But what we can do is learn from it and submit to God's lessons about it and say, thank you, Lord, for being in control of that and give our lives to God. So here's the question for today. What are some things you need to enjoy more deeply in light of this passage? Some may be just spinning their wheels, frustrated with work, frustrated with people, frustrated with this, frustrated with that, and God's saying, stop that and rejoice and do what is right because I'll make everything beautiful in its time. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, we look at our own lives and we see your control and providence behind things. A time to be born and then one day that time to pass into your presence. And yet, Lord, we understand that you make everything beautiful in your time. You're never late. You're never early. You're always right on time. And God, you put this hole in our hearts so that we would fill our hole with you and not with the things of this world. And you've put eternity in our hearts so that we would not even figure out things in the future. And that's okay. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to rejoice and to do what is right in your sight. Because the things that we have are gifts from you to enjoy. And Lord, we understand that everything you do will endure. The things that we do, they all fall apart. But what you do endures so that we would come before you and bow our knees and say, you are God and we are not. We submit to you. So help us to surrender our lives and to wake up each morning and say to ourselves, guess what I get to do today? I get to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I get to rejoice in the things that he's given me. I get to, by his spirit and by his grace, do what is right. So Lord, help us to have that attitude today. I pray for those who are spinning their wheels, frustrated with life, frustrated with work, killing themselves for nothing. That God, that you would change their hearts right now and help them to say, you know, I'm not going to live for that stuff anymore. I'm going to start living for what matters. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name and for his glory alone. Amen. Amen.